Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the podcast. So we are at episode 19 now and today I am joined by Dara Kelly. Dara is known as the GAA Endurance Guy and he is owner of Next Level Athlete. Um, he is a triathlon and marathon coach and he specializes in helping GAA players and beginner triathletes complete endurance events. Um, he also owns his own personal training gym in Cork. So um, welcome, Dara, and thank you for coming on the podcast. Thanks very much, Kate. Thanks for having me on. Um, so anyway, do you want to tell us a bit, tell everyone a bit about you, your background and what's got you to where you are? Yeah, perfect. So thanks for the lovely introduction there. Um, so yeah, my name is Dara Kelly. So what I do personally now is I do um, ultra endurance events, so like triathlons, marathons, ultra marathons, um, Ironmans, that kind of thing. And I'm also playing GA, so hurling at a, at a senior level as well, down in Cork. Um, so yeah, I help what it kind of, the path I went recently there now is kind of helping both GA players and endurance athletes kind of combined both. Um, that was kind of, it's similar to you, Kate, like you were, you were kind of like your avatar, like you're helping the same, you are the person you're helping basically. So yeah. I'm helping people who play GA or former GA players who kind of want to get into the more endurance side um, and vice versa. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of how I went down the road. And is that a hard balance? Because as someone who doesn't play GAA myself, but um, I know the kind of work that would go into endurance events, is it hard to be able to keep the strength and strength up for GAA? as well as, you know, the, the long hours you need to put into the endurance? To be honest, yeah. Um, personally, I didn't really struggle with it. And the reason being is, I t- like, I was kind of late, later on, not late, I'm still young, but later on in the years, I kind of got into the endurance sport. I was always playing hurling at a high level. I would have been, like, playing inter-county at underage levels and that kind of stuff. Um, and, like, by kind of minor level, I just started f- kind of falling out of love with it. And I was kind of looking for a bit more. Um, so I started getting into the, the endurance side of things. So like, I, like going back to GA and like the skill was always kind of there. Like I'm not saying I'm a brilliant hurler or anything like that, but I always kind of had like the, the skill to play hurling basically. So that never went away and the fitness obviously didn't go away as well. So the, the, probably the, the hardest thing would be to kind of keep a bit of strength, keep a bit of size in order to like take the hits and all that in hurling. Like, so that would probably be the most difficult thing, but um, it's manageable. <laughs> Yeah, so basically, I suppose what happened then was instead of it being your main focus, GAA being your main focus, you got more enjoyment from the focus of the endurance events. And then you still had GAA as more of a hobby rather than trying to push yourself forward as much in it. Yeah, so to be honest, yeah, um, I don't know if you know my backstory or not. We're only kind of getting to know each other there recently, but like it was kind of mental health reasons I went to endurance sports. So like. Um, when I was growing up, like I was saying, I was playing a high level of hurling and anyone who's kind of played, well, a lot of people who have played kind of high level growing up, you know, there's a lot of pressure. I, I felt anyway, there was a lot of pressure kind of like, you have to keep going, like you have to go, you're going to be a, a senior hurler for a cork or any of this, like these are all kind of thoughts in my head, like I have to do this stuff. Um, and when things started going wrong for me, then I got dropped off the cork panel and things like that. And just a few years down the line, I was kind of just kind of falling into bad routines, falling into bad habits, went into a few dark places mentally. Um, mm. And that kind of led me into endurance racing then. So like, it was kind of like, um, what, what, what am I actually going to do? What am I going to do with my life here? Like I, I was a very fit young fella. I was always strong and everything. 
Um, I know I'm drinking and smoking at 19, 18, 17. Um, do you know, so I was thinking I have to do something here or I'm going to be dead by 40, even even earlier. So I was thinking what's going to be a challenge for me and that was an Ironman. Um, and that's kind of how I got into endurance racing. Then I was thinking like, what's what's the hardest thing? And I thought an Ironman, I didn't even know what an Ironman was. I knew it was a triathlon and I was saying, that's what I'm going to train for. So I, I knew if I carried on the way I was carrying on at the time, I wouldn't be able to do an Ironman um, because it's savage with the training. You need to be healthy, you need to be fit and all that. So I needed to change my life basically. Um, and in the process of doing the triathlon training, then I obviously done marathons and a few other races in, in between. Um, and yeah, just a few years down the line and I'm happy out now again. <laughs> That's such an interesting story because no, I didn't, I didn't know that about you at all. Um, and it's such like it, it brings me to such a great point about exercise and then so then your reason for endurance events first of all I was never good at team sports like that I think growing up I would have been very you know I would have been a people pleaser and I would have been very anxious and would have kind of the pressure of team sports even just like you know organized team sports in school used to panic me and stress me so when I got into fitness in my well, my late 20s um I loved that it was just me and I was competing against yeah. myself. And then I kind of went on and I joined CrossFit and I was into CrossFit for a few years. And I loved that CrossFit could be competitive, but really like, yeah, if you enter competitions, you're, you're competing against other people, but it's not in a team position. So if you perform badly, it's you're only letting yourself down. You're not letting it, it takes that pressure off. And it, I liked that kind of, you know, competing against myself in a positive way um yeah. which was really cool but also i think um like you touched on a huge point there mental health and how exercise like i think sometimes people don't actually understand how important exercise is for mental health and how you can actually get completely lost in the present moment it takes you out of your thoughts and having a goal like you're saying you know if you enter a race and then that goal you have to do these certain habits to reach that goal so it kind of pushes out the bad ones as well. So there's so many different ways that that is so beneficial. Yeah, 100% agree with you. So like, even like, um, there's a, a known phrase there you'd see about Ironmans, it's 90% mental. And I'd agree 100% with that. Um, like recently there now I done the Dublin Marathon and that was with zero training. And I, I mean zero training. And the reason oh. I could do that was I've, I know I've been there before and it's literally a mental battle. Like I could do a half marathon fine. And I was at the halfway point and my two hip flexors went to me and I was literally hobbling for over 30 K I'd say, and not 30 K. What was it? Yeah. About 25, 30 K I was about, hob I was hobbling basically. Um, but I knew I'd be able to finish it. I knew there was no like doubt in my head that I was going to drop out, but just because I was there mentally before, like I was in, in a worse position and like, I was on, this is only temporary pain. Like I'll be. I'll be sitting at home drinking a pint in two hours time, you know, three hours time. So what um, goes through your mind? Okay. So you have 30 kilometers to go. Like I can't like even running a 5k. I'm like, Oh, when is this over? Like, <laughs> and so you're, you're hobbling along, you're in pain and you're like, I have another 30 kilometers to go. Like, what are you actually thinking about? Um, <laughs> trying to avoid the pain anyway, would be the, probably the, the main thing. But like, like I was saying, I've been, in that position plenty of times i've done multiple races where i haven't trained properly for it and yeah some of them some of that time was actually on purpose to see can i actually do it without training do you know what i mean um i know it's a bit of a stupid goal to have like but i just wanted to see where where i could push myself to um but yeah like i've been there before like in any kind of if you talk to any ultra endurance 
athletes, they'll more than likely tell you like there's a time when you're going through multiple hours of exercise, you will go into a few dark places in, in your mind, like, um, and there's no kind of getting out of it. And you just have to keep going, basically push yourself through it. Um, and yeah, I just knew I'd been there before. I knew I'd get out of it again. And like what I'd be telling myself is like it, it, two hours time, three hours time, it's done. Like if I quit yeah. now, it's going to be like, it'll be in the back of my head constantly. Like if I just hung on for an hour, two hours more, I would been, I would have had a medal around my neck, you know? So there was no doubt in my mind that I'm going to stop, even though I'm in severe pain, like, you know? So that's kind of what goes through my head anyway. So it's literally one step at a time. You just literally think, take another step, take another step. And the thoughts of not finishing it keeps you going. That you'd be kicking yourself. Yeah, basically. Um, Yeah, I just just know I'd have to answer to, well, no one's going to care. But like in my head, I was like, I'm going to have to put up my Instagram, even Instagram story. I don't know, I'm going to put up my Instagram story. I didn't finish the marathon. I, I wasn't fit enough. Even though that's not true. I am fit enough. I just wasn't, if I didn't, if I quit, I'd be saying I wasn't mentally fit enough. But... I just knew I, I was like, I've been there before. Um, so yeah. <laughs> and when, when you start to get sore, do you, ha- do you end up having to walk part of it or like, would you still oh, yeah. be running? No, definitely. Yeah. You'd walk everyone. It, like, I don't think I've ever done a race without walking. That's the thing with marathons and half marathons things. People think you need to constantly run. You don't, your, your time is up to you, do you know, um, unless there's cutoffs now, like certain Ironman events and things like that. Um, most marathons you can take as long as you want, do you know, people walk. So like, I, I've never done a race, I'd say, without stopping even to go to the toilet or to take a drink or eat something, do you know, so you can, you can walk where you need to, like the last 30k of that Dublin Marathon, I was walking, jogging, hobbling, everything just to get over yeah. the line, do you know, so you don't need to constantly run. And you like to most, I know you're saying you're going in with, with no um, training, you have gone in with no training, but would people go in with a strategy like okay I'll run for 10 kilometers I'll walk for three like do they set themselves kind of little goals like that yeah um I wouldn't be a fan personally of that strategy like I'm going to run a kilometer walk a kilometer unless it's necessary like in my case it was necessary I like what I was doing is I was like I'd say jogging but it was nearly walking pace I was jogging for eight minutes walking for two minutes um, mm. And I kept at that and that actually kept me going. Like I was more concentrated on my watch than the pain because I, I had to keep looking down to see like that kind of oh, took no. my mind off the so pain. That's as what you were focusing on. Yeah, exactly. no, I was wondering yeah, like, yeah. yeah, that you literally have time. You're like, okay, yes, four more minutes and then I'll walk a bit. Yeah. yeah. But then every yeah. now and again, you'd look down and there's only a minute gone and then <laughs> then you kind of start crying inside. Like, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like if you if you if you started the marathon thinking I'm going to jog 5k, walk 1k, jog 2k, I just don't think that's a sustainable strategy for a full marathon would say it's fine in training if you're like starting from zero like from coach to 5k and um, i've i've coached people from coach to 5k and that might be a strategy for the first four or five weeks um and then like after that we'd start kind of getting a bit more specific like you you go by time more than more than um oh, okay like a number. pace kind of is it yeah 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 well that's um, my that's my philosophy on it anyway like it might work for some people but in my experience it just didn't work for me yeah. And I suppose when you're running such long distances, you want to actually be able to run for as long as you can yeah. in order to, yeah, to, to yeah. get the best time and to, for it not to go on all day. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so when you say zero training, so you did like you've done a marathon with, when zero training, that means probably, does that mean zero specific training, but like you still run every week anyway? Like what's leading you know? up to this Dublin marathon that was in what month do we know? It was in the end of October. The last time I ran, on the road was in June 
<laughs> no, that's not saying I didn't train. I was obviously in the gym training. I was um, doing some sprint work on the pitch and stuff like that, but it wasn't marathon specific. But the fact that I've been there before, like I wouldn't be advertising this for anyone to do now. It's just like, this was just me. Um, I just, I didn't have time. I actually, it was my brother's number that I took to do the marathon. It wasn't me at all. I wasn't even supposed to be doing the marathon, but I just said, he dropped out. So I said, I just do it. Just You're the, the second person I heard that did that. That was he said it's all over the place, people with different aims. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I just didn't want the number to go to waste and might as well uh, get another marathon under my belt. So that's why I took it up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was no specific marathon, but I'm not saying like you should be training zero for every marathon, you know, like for the Cork Marathon now in June, um, I've started training already for that. Um, yeah. I want to get a good time in that. So like, that's a six month window there now. Exactly. So that's kind of more of a goal. You're like, exactly, you know, yeah, have a yeah. time in mind. Whereas the Dublin, um, you're like, Dublin, oh, I might as well just go and do it kind of. Yeah. 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 And like when you were, tra when you're training in the gym, yeah, like I think it's important to note yet yeah, anyone who's listening that you don't just go from the couch to being like, oh sure, look, I'll run the yeah. marathon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that like you are very active and you um, are trying, you train regularly anyway. And in the gym, so your strength training, do you, you do a lot of like anaerobic training or you, like you were saying you did sprint training and stuff on obviously for hurling, but in the gym, do you just focus on strength or would you do? Um... Yeah, personally, it's, it's going to be different for me and for some of the people that I help know, cause it's a bit of um like, if you're trying to combine GA and endurance, you need to kind of factor in some recovery work in the gym um, some strength work and some plyometrics. And obviously some anaerobic high intensity work then as well. So my gym sessions are kind of a mix, to be quite honest. Yes, some yeah. days I do do um, strength specific work. Other days it's all plyometrics. Other days just kind of recovery and just for ego reasons, I like to throw in a bit of like bodybuilding stuff as well. Like, but that yeah, would be yeah. necessary really. <laughs> yeah. So you kind of yeah, you tailor it to to yourself. Really. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I suppose so. It's important to kind of note that you know you're when you're you're able to do the marathon because you're playing sports so you're being you're kept fit but a lot of the plyometric training so just for anyone who doesn't know what plyometric is it's you know kind of it's jumping is basically kind of yeah yeah adding um jumping kind of power, power work and stuff power work um, and yeah. into into your training um so okay marathon prep so if they're so i know that like a lot of my listeners are are women um in their 30s 40s 50s and I find it's it's quite it's a time when people do start to think about doing something like a marathon kind of you don't hear as me, of as many people I know there are plenty but sorry, I don't hear of as many people in their you know their teens or 20s that, that it's something that a lot of people get into um I don't want to say later in life you know but like 30 plus yeah I see where they get into the marathon is something that people want to do so what's involved in marathon prep um well it depends where you're starting from really so like the time frame and all that is completely down to the individual, but like just to give a sample week of a marathon training or you might have like, um, so Monday might be a recovery day, Tuesday might be an interval run, um, Wednesday might be some gym work, Thursday might be speed session, Friday more gym work, Saturday maybe a long run or Sunday a long run. Um, and when I say long run, that's obviously individual as well. So like people think it's going to be hours and hours and hours of training, but it's it's really not. Like you could do a speed session, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and that's it. That could be your training for the, for one day, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Um, same on a Monday, you might have a recovery run or Tuesday, you might have an interval run. That's all within an hour for me anyway, and, and my clients, they're all within the hour. Um, 
on the weekends then depending on where we are where we're at on the the training phase it might be an hour long slow run um, it might be two hours it might be three hours you know it's it's depending on depending on the person but like if you add that all up it's less less than seven ten less than ten hours anyway definitely um probably six seven hours probably would be the average for a week yeah so i suppose if you're signing up to a marathon you're going to be signing up to a commitment of you're gonna that you have there are a certain amount of hours that need to be put in yeah but so what you're kind of saying is it really is more about consistency that it doesn't have to be long hours all in a row you'd, you'd have one long run a week you'd say yeah yeah that's what i would say anyway it's more about the quality of the runs as well like on a tuesday i keep going back to tuesday because my, my speed sessions are usually on a tuesday yeah. but like on a tuesday um like a speed session it'd be more like 20 minutes 30 minutes would be max because you you're just kind of working for that anaerobic fitness. Mm. Um, and that's like, you wouldn't be kind of going longer than an hour anyway, definitely for the speed sessions or the interval sessions. Um, so yeah, it's just more about quality for those ones midweek. And that kind of works out for me. It works out for most people as well, but working kids and all that as well. Um, so it's more about quality and consistency. Like you said, like just as long as you're getting three runs in every week, I'd be, I'd be happy with anyone doing that. Like, that definitely sounds more doable than what I thought it would be. You know, that exactly, yeah. it's kind of a huge a lot, like sounds like such a huge commitment that you'd only really be able to do if you had the time, but definitely yeah. making it sound more doable. So if someone is a complete beginner to running, how should they go about starting? So like if we're talking about someone who hasn't really exercised in years or ever, and they're like, I think I want to take up running. So they're literally going from the couch or from the office desk to getting into a bit of running. Yeah, what I would say is literally get out and do it. There's no beating around the bush, really. I'm not saying you need to go out and run 5K instantly. Go out and do 10 minutes jogging, walking. Go out, or even if you're if you're like intimidated of the whole running thing anyway, just go out and go for a walk for 10 minutes, 20 minutes. Next week, go out and walk for 10 minutes, jog for five minutes. Do you know, just keep building it up. Um, there's loads of Couch to 5K programs out there. I've done one myself recently there in my, my local town here. Um, and some of those women, they were actually, they were, it was actually a lot of women, um, middle-aged women with kids. And a lot of them, two of them specifically said to me that if they could do it, anyone could do it. I'll actually, I should have got them to record that or write that down because it's so true. Like you, you think that you can't do it, but it, it really is possible. Like as long as you just get out there and go for it, like, you know, it just take it step by step. You don't need to go out and do 5k, 10k or half marathon or anything. Literally just go out and run for 15 minutes. Um, and just build it up over time then once your confidence is up you're fine you'll be able to train for anything then <laughs> and it's amazing like that that sense of achievement like you can't actually put a price on that can't you not Ooh, just yeah, yeah. even the little thing of you know, like i went out for a walk and i ran for five minutes of my walk like yeah, that, yeah. that like being like the, the sense of achievement of being able to run for five minutes in a row is absolutely amazing and then being like right what can i do next you know exactly, and yeah and just building build up. up or building up the distance or you know if you are doing it in intervals a minute on minute off whatever way you're doing it yeah. just um like it just being able to build from where you are and it, the, the sense of achievement is just amazing isn't it yeah and a lot of times people think like when they're going for a run I'll go back to my couch to 5k group there as well when they were starting off they were actually running too quick even though they thought they were running slow they weren't they were running too quick you should be able to run at a conversation pace which means if me and you went out for a run we should be able to hold a conversation like we are now that's your aerobic zone that's how you build your aerobic fitness basically so a lot of people when they go out running they just go for it and they're panting after 10 steps and they, they wouldn't be able to hold a conversation. So that was the problem with my coach, the 5k group. I literally had to slow them right back down 
and just build up their aerobic cap capacity first, get their running technique right, their breathing right, all that, and then we started building up the 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 um the more strategy uh, strategic running um techniques. Then after that, so it's that's literally just slowing down is probably the the biggest problem for a lot of people, especially beginners. That's that's re actually a really really helpful um, point to make because that's I, I didn't know that you know that it obviously makes sense, but you know that you think you just get going and you're like oh, then yeah what happens I suppose then is if like I was to go out and start running too fast, I'd run for five minutes and then I'd have to, I'd end up having to, to walk a bit of it. Yeah, whereas if I slow myself slow down. Bit. Yeah. You'd be able to go for longer, basically. That's, that's what marathon running is. That's what ultra endurance events is. It's how far can yeah. you just keep going? Like basically, yeah. like I don't think I've, if you looked at my average heart rate for a marathon or a triathlon that, that I've trained for, it would be very low, you know, because I'd be staying in the, the zone two aerobic zone. Um, I know a lot of people might not know what that is, but it's literally like your conversation pace is what is what you, you you need to stay in for like your endurance events, basically. Yeah. So your heart rate really would be similar enough to a brisk walk. Yeah. When yeah. you get used okay. to it. Yeah. Yeah. That you, yeah. So like that you'd have your rest zones just for anyone with the heart rate zones. You have your rest zone, your fat burning zone, cardio zone and peak zone, if you like. And re so really you're, you're still in the bottom half of your heart rate zones, but just the, the upper half of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's really, really cool to know. So anyway, realistically, how long would it take someone to go from a couch to a marathon? Um, it's depending on the person. Again, I know that's a bit of a, a dick answer now, but it's, it's probably it's a bit of an annoying question. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, like if, if you were to if you were to look at like any beginner programs or anything like that, it's usually six months to a year if you yeah. wanted to do it right. Now, if you were like me and you had this goal to do it and you were very determined and you knew you were kind of mentally strong enough to do it, you, you'd be able to do a marathon, you know, and um, that, that, that's not saying you, you run the whole thing, but you'd, you'd, you'd have a go off it. You'd, you'd run and you'd walk and you'd get over the line. Um, I'd go back to it again. Like it's, it's 90% mental basically. So it's, you just need to work on your mental strength basically. Um, and the fitness as well. So six months to a year, if you were to do it right, that would be my answer. <laughs> But it's I'd say the mental strength co comes mostly from the training, like your long runs that you have to do anyway. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. You know, if you get through the training, then you should be able to get through the day because yeah. I'd say what happens to a lot of people is they probably give up on the training and give up on the goal. That's the thing. Like it's, it's the training is the hard part. Like it's with any, it's the same as any competition. Like you, you went back to CrossFit there, like the cross, like you've, if I think it was Matt Fraser who said there before that, um, like you're seeing the, like on the, what's it called, the CrossFit Games, you're seeing all the athletes, like it's a year's training, you're watching in a week, do you know, yeah. they, they're training multiple hours every every day, um, but no one sees that. So like that takes serious discipline and mental strength. Like, so it's the same for marathon training and all that. Like it's going to be dark coming into the winters there now um, and raining and it's going to be horrible. You just want to sit down and watch Netflix all night, but like just going out for that 20 minute run that'll build your self-discipline that'll transfer over to other runs and you just get into a habit and like building better habits then and consistency and that's all it takes then basically just keep going and it's just it has a knock-on effect to every aspect of your life as well Definitely, doesn't it yeah, that, yeah. Um, that what i like i actually i really don't enjoy running <laughs> but <laughs> i am um, i at the, the minute I, i'm not doing any running but i had kind of just i like to keep it to kind of a i like to do kind of a fast short run but 
what and, and the thoughts of it always kills me. But now that you've said about the slow and steady, it might be something I'm, I might start getting into. I'll, I'll talk to you again in a few months, <laughs> see if you've had an influence on me. Um, but what I love about running, the only sorry, the only thing at the minute that I love about running is the endorphins you get afterwards, like that high. Like it don't get that in, in ordinary gym training, like, or even from a walk, it's not the same. Like, yeah. And even crossing a finish line, like the Dublin marathon there now was an unbelievable finish line. It's just like, it was nearly half a kilometer of these massive crowds cheering every single person on like, and it's just such an amazing feeling when you cross the line. I don't think I'd emotionally be able for that. Like, I think I'd be like crossing the finish line, bawling my eyes, oh. crying. People do that. A hundred percent. And I'll be completely honest. Yeah. I cried about three or four times in the Dublin Marathon. And that's just from going from dark places in my head to watching yeah. like amazing people passing me out. Like, you know, there's, there's all sorts of people you'll see doing yeah. these events. Like, and it's just, it's, it's emotional to be fair. Like, and especially yeah. crossing the lane when everyone's cheering you on. It's, it's brilliant. I've heard, yeah, I've heard wonderful things about the atmosphere at the Dublin Marathon. And, yeah. and I'm sure it's, it's at every marathon, but um, the, that the atmosphere alone is worth that a lot of the spectators go in just for the atmosphere. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, do you recommend strength training alongside marathon training? Like, yeah, how would people fit that yeah, in? Yeah. Um, now, if you were a complete beginner, I would recommend getting someone to show you what to do. Um, I, like strength training is all about, if you were to look at interior, it's heavy reps, or sorry, heavy weights, low reps, high sets kind of thing. Um, but if you were a complete beginner, I'd definitely go with a coach and just get your technique right. Um, focus yeah. more on recovery and all that. Um, but it definitely it's it definitely plays a part. Like if for any of my clients, I would say I'd recommend one to two sessions at least a week, depending on their training volume. Now, but um, two sessions max would be for like the marathon people would say because they have a high volume training anyway. Um, but anyone like doing low races or sorry, um, shorter distance races, they might be in there three or four times a week on top of the training. Um, but they wouldn't be very like high intensity or some of them might be high intensity, but some of them would be just more recovery and kind of rehab work. Um, and it's co the core work is, is the big thing really like it, the core work and hamstrings are the two things I'm always kind of focusing on because they're the, the injuries. Um, you wouldn't get injured in your core, but the core is your, is your core. Like you need, you need stable core for any kind of endurance events. Um, but the hamstrings, strengthening up your hamstrings would be a big thing for me, for any athlete. Um, so they'd be the two things I'd be focusing on in any gym session. Yeah, I figured that you were going to say hamstring work for sure, because um, it. I feel like the hamstrings are somewhere like it's an area of our bodies that we don't without specific training, we tend not to strengthen them. It's like, you know, the way everyday life, you know, we're sitting up and down and we're going up and down. So we're working on our quads quite a lot, but our hamstrings don't get the same kind of everyday work, I feel. And they do tend to be weaker and I figured that in in order to, you know, avoid knee injuries and stuff like that, that you'd need to have strong hamstrings. Um, but the core, that's an interesting one. Yeah, the core work. Um, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of core work just from my background with the GA and the endurance training because like GA, you're, you're, when, you, when you want to be strong, you need a strong core. Like um, if you ever heard of the term like farmer's strength or like wiry or any of these kind of terms, 
basically those people have strong core. They might not look strong, but if you try to hit them with a the shoulder, they're not going to move because their their stability is very good. They have a strong core. That's what it comes from. So like building up that core and um, stability is is a big thing for GA and endurance racing. Um, and going back to what you said there as well, like the the posterior chain. Um, for anyone that what the, knows doesn't know what that is, it's basically the back of your body, basically. So your back, your glutes, your hamstrings, your calves, triceps, even. Um, that's often neglected in the gym. If you see any young guy or young girl in the gym, they look in the mirror. What they see is their chest, their shoulders, their quads, their core. That's the thing they start working on. They kind of ne- neglect their their rear then basically, and that's how people get imbalanced. And as like, there's be that's how you get injuries then basically i'm not a physio but like your your muscles start to kind of pull in different directions and when you're doing like a lot of training like endurance sports and all that that's where that's where the injuries come then um so like your back is going to be pulling on your hamstrings that's going to make them tight you're going to pull a hamstring tear hamstring that's that's what often happens in ga and endurance Um, so yeah just trying to strengthen those areas up that are often neglected is a big thing yeah, and keeping everything balanced yeah, exactly, to minimise yeah. injuries. And it's funny, I noticed that with myself, um, that when I was running, my, the sides of my knees were getting sore. Yeah. And my coach at the time was like, yeah, you have weak hamstrings. And I, and I was like, yeah. I So I've, I've kind of been, and in general, actually, my whole back, my back, my hamstrings, everything what were quite weak. I've spent the past year kind of strengthening um, them up. But I noticed even going, like I love hill walking, but if I'm coming down a mountain for like over an hour and yeah. the constant coming downhill, my knees get sore as well. Now it's getting better with the strength, but it's taken a solid year to really improve. Like Yeah, knees and ankles are a, a tender, area, tender area for most people. Um, I actually struggled with a, a bit of knee issues as well myself, and it was my IT band, which is on the side of your leg. Yeah. That was always tight for me, and it's often tight for a lot of runners as well. Um, it's called runner's knee is what, what you get. It's basically just muscles pulling on pulling around your knee and making your, your your knee sore basically um but i had a tight it band and i had the wrong runners which is another thing for beginners you need to get proper runners so that's a big thing as well yeah running runners i actually I, I did get running runners i had been running just in my you know ordinary nike runners or whatever and i bought proper asics running runners and it's like i was i went for a run i was like oh my god i feel like i'm bouncing on marshmallows it's amazing <laughs> the difference yeah it's a massive difference um and some of the runners you've seen in the shops that are titled running they're not running runners what i would recommend to most people is to get a gait analysis um so a lot of running shops do that and they literally you'll pick out your runners they'll put you on a treadmill and you'll like walk or jog for a minute two minutes and they'll literally put a, a camera behind your feet and they'll see if you're what way you're landing you're hitting the floor if you're if you're turning in you're going outwards and they'll give you specific runners to suit you you then basically so that would avoid all the knee injuries and things like that elveries used to do that do they still do that i'm not sure to be honest yeah i go to the get or what's it called the edge sports that's mm-hmm. down here in cork um that's a triathlon shop but most running shops will do it to be fair yeah um, and it's often included shops. in the price as well in the, in the runners, if you buy the runners, they'll include a free gait analysis. So just go in and ask, do they do a gait analysis or not? Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, what is involved in a triathlon? So we kind of, we all know what a marathon is, but um, what's involved in a triathlon? Yeah, so a triathlon is tri is a tree, is tree sports. So there's a swim, a cycle and a run. Um, and there's all different distances. So this is another thing as well. Um, people often think like, only mad people do triathlons. They're crazy events, but that's not true. There's kids triathlons. There's 
Um, there's sprint triathlons, there's Olympic triathlons, double Olympic, and it goes all the way up to Ironman. And like the distances obviously get further and further the, the higher you go up the ladder, basically. Um, so like for a sprint triathlon, it's 750 meter swim, a 20 kilometer cycle and a five kilometer run. Um, so it's it's manageable definitely for a lot of people, most people, if they just put in a bit of training. Um, and there's even shorter ones than that. There's ones called like try a try. Um, and there's shorter ones again, but the main ones would be like your sprint, your Olympic, uh, your half Ironman, your full Ironman. So the sprint would be the lowest one, like the lowest official one, but there's even lower ones again. If you're, if like say, if you were struggling for swimming, there's swims for like 200 meters, there's swims for 500 meters. Um, and it just varies, various places, places like. And doing those um, shorter triathlons, I would presume helps with your training and building your fitness and your strength and everything to be able to eventually do the longer ones. Yeah, definitely. Um, the more you do, the better. The practice makes perfect. But the big thing for me, say, if the, a client was coming to me to do an Ironman and they only wanted to do an Ironman in, say, two years' time or a year's time um, and they didn't think about doing any other races, I'd be suggesting for them to do even the sprint, um, a sprint some weekend, some, a sprint triathlon some, some weekend or an Olympic distance triathlon just literally to pick up uh, different tips. So, like, you're transitioning from swim to bike, bike to run, you'll come across different scenarios where um, in theory, things don't go right, you know? So like even coming out of the water, how are you going to dry yourself? What shoe or how are you going to put on your shoes? You're standing in a field usually for most triathlons around Ireland. Um, how are you going to get out on the bike? How are you going to feel from bike to run transition, that kind of stuff. And that's, that's all personal. Like, so I might deal with that a different way that you'll deal with that. And, it's all all different for everyone basically like so getting into the smaller distances like i still do sprint triathlons even though i'm competing in ironmans and things like that i'd still go for sprinters distance triathlons just to keep up those small little tips like um that all that also transition over to the, the bigger runs and bigger triathlons in oh cool so if so is it the the swim first then the cycle then the run yeah that's the order and swim bike and run and do you, so do people literally run out of the lake or the river or the sea or wherever they're swimming in and hop onto the bike wet? Or does everyone take a minute and change? What most people do, um, it's different for the sprint triathlons because often some people are doing that for the first time. So for, like for myself now that I'm, I'm fairly experienced with them, I wear a triathlon suit underneath a wetsuit. So that's, that triathlon suit stays on me for the whole day. It's basically like a onesie. Um, to, for a lack of a better term but it's like shorts and a t-shirt to kind of merge into one all in one yeah <laughs> excuse me um so yeah that stays on me for the day so literally i walk out or i jog or walk out of the water rip off the wetsuit have a quick towel dry myself off quickly with a towel um and then literally jump onto the bike with my shoes and that's it and helmet and then when you're coming back from the bike you go back into the same transition area take off your bike shoes put on your running runners and off you go again so it's kind of a quick transition for me. But say if you were doing it like my very first triathlon, I wore um, swimming shorts underneath my wetsuit. I had no top on under my wetsuit. So I literally took off my wetsuit. I took about 10 minutes drying myself, put on a t-shirt, put on um, some cycling shorts, some socks, shoes, everything. But that was okay for my first triathlon. You know, it took me probably 20 minutes to get dried and ready to go onto the bike. But that was my first ever triathlon. So I was happy enough with that. Um, and obviously then I worked on my speed, like the transitions, my transition now might be down to a minute, two minutes. 
at max. So like you, you, that they're small things to be working on in this in the sprint distance triathlons for me. Um, but like it's different for everyone. So like starting off there now, you might go the same route as me and just literally take your time in transition, um, dry yourself off, have a cup of tea, whatever you want to do, and then jump onto the bike and then off you go. I suppose yeah, it depends on your goals and it depends on um, exactly yeah. Like you know, if you're doing a tri, like if I was to do a triathlon for the first time, the achievement would be just completing the triathlon. Yeah. Um, and obviously, if you're more experienced like yourself, then you're looking at times and yeah, yeah. I suppose as you said, practice makes perfect, and you're going to get faster the more the more you do it. So doing them it, as well as doing your training, you know, every few months or I suppose probably does make a huge difference. Yeah. And um, so what are the distances? So you like there's so we talked a bit about the sprint one. So we've got like a standard triathlon and then an Ironman. What's what's the difference? Yeah. In so you're. Your standard or Olympic distance triathlon, that would be a 1.5 kilometer swim, so 1,500 meters. It's a 40 kilometer cycle and um, a 10 kilometer run. So that would be like your, your standard middle middle of the way distance, we'll say, or not even middle of the way. That's that's Olympic distance is what it's called. Okay. Um, a half Ironman then is called a middle distance triathlon. So that would be um, 1.9 kilometer swim. Okay, what is this, this triathlon called? This is a... An Olympic. An Olympic one, yeah. Yeah, that's the, that's the distance for the Olympics, basically. So that would be like your, your standard triathlon, I suppose, is what you'd call that. Um, yeah. it's, it's not for everyone for starting off, but it's like if you've done a sprint, that's the next step up for you, basically, to do an Olympic. Yeah. Um, and then after that, there's things called like double Olympics. There's a few different distances in between, but the next official one would be like a half Ironman distance um, or a half triathlon is what it's called. So that would be a 1.9 kilometre swim. It would be, I'm trying to think now of all the numbers in my head. Um, it would be a 90 kilometre cycle and a 21, 21 kilometre run. Ugh, sounds um, awful. Yeah, it gets fairly serious at that distance then. And then the full distance triathlon is your Ironman. So that's double that again. So that's 3.8 kilometre swim, 180 kilometre cycle and a 42 kilometre run. So that's the big oh. one. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ how long does that take on average yeah, like average times would probably be 13 14 hours to, f to finish a full one hell. Yeah. Jesus it can go up to 17 hours and some like the pros be finishing it in 8 hours 9 hours so <laughs> there's, oh a, there's a lot of a lot of different uh, abilities there I'm literally like in my head being like why would you do that to yourself <laughs> but I can only imagine the sense of achievement when you finish when you get through that that finish line yeah, it's yeah. crazy. It's it's like the, the Dublin Marathon there. You know, the crowds for the Ironman there in Cork this year was crazy. Like it was, it was it was a very sunny day and just everyone was out and just the achievement was unbelievable. Just to be part of it, like you know, yeah. Um, it's it's every event is like that. Really, the crowds will really kind of get you going. Yeah. What does triathlon training look like for beginners? Then you'd be aiming towards sprint triathlons, obviously, but the actual day to day training. Yeah, it's it's different. Like some people will come to me, um, and they can't swim. So we might just focus on the bike and the run for a while and in the meantime, get them just confident in the water, like just even getting into the pool is a is achievement for some people and um, getting them swimming one length, two lengths, you know, literally building that up. And once they're confident with that, we start kind of doing specific training then after that. Um, so just for me, if I was, say, halfway through a pro training program, my, personally myself now, I'd be maybe two swims a week, two cycles a week, two runs a week on average every week yeah. and they're they're different distances so like the weekends would be like my long days so i'd be doing a long bike a long run 
and then midweek could be the shorter session so like under the hour so like you, you might be swimming for half an hour you might be swimming for an hour 20 minutes same for the run and the bike and would you, you train in the pool yeah um in the winter anyway in when it comes closer to like race season in the summer um, and when the weather gets a bit warmer obviously you'd go you'd kind of you practice out in the, the open water then but that depends on what race you're doing as well it's like there's different um some triathlons have lake swims some triathlons have open water sea swims so you need to train in whichever um water you're, you're training your your races in basically yeah okay so like your early training you could just go to the pool and then as you get closer to the time if it's in a lake you practice in, in a lake if it's exactly yeah yeah the winter training is where you're going to get the the aerobic fitness in the pool it's the same for the pool yeah. and the bike and the run um and you focus on your technique and your skill work and all that and then transfer that over to the the open water then in the summer and get more kind of race specific then about it and is it the summer the the is that race season for marathons and triathlons is it all in the summer season um the marathons are different they kind of go on throughout the year really um like i know there's a marathon in cork is it this weekend the end of november yeah it's either this weekend or the weekend after um and there'll be marathons in december as well but the thing with triathlons is it needs the the water temperature needs to be a certain temperature um, so they can only do that between, I think it's is it May and September or something like that. Uh, the summer months basically is when the triathlons oh, yeah. will be on. So you would, so m- more than likely, to, so do people run marathons and do triathlons? I would presume it transfers, the, if you can run a marathon, you might be into triathlon stuff too. Yeah, it, they transfer over to be fair. Um, more so triathletes will be more going into the running rather than the other way around because you might mm. love running, but you might not like cycling, you might not be able to swim. So it, it yeah. doesn't often work in reverse. <laughs> so it's a it's a full year thing then, is it? Would you kind of, how how much space would you put between events? Like, because I, I was thinking about this, it's like you need space to recover, but you don't want so much space that you have to redo all the training from the start either. Yeah, it's tricky and it's, it's individual as well. But the thing is, when you train for your first Ironman, the chances are like you're, you're always going to have that fitness. Like even myself there now, like I knew, like I'd be able to do a marathon, no problem, the other day, or when was it, a few weeks ago, because I I was up to that distance not so long ago, a couple of weeks ago. So once you kind of get to that level, it's kind of easier to maintain. It's just getting to that point is the is the hard part. But once you kind of get there, then as long as you kind of keep tipping away every now and again, you're fine. Yeah. Um, how much distance would you have between events is kind of personal. You kind of have to listen to your body, really. Um, like you might take a month off, you might take... Some people do an Ironman every so often, you know, like some people in the Cork Ironman, they went and done a mar- an Ironman abroad, uh, I think it was six weeks later, you know, but saying that they might have recovered for a month and they still have that fitness so they can literally just pick off or pick up from where they left off basically and just go do another one as long as they're feeling fresh and recovered and all that. Um, so it's kind of down to down to the person really you just has to listen to listen to your body and not get injured basically. Yeah, and I'd say, like, do lots of groups of people get together? Like, is, I'd say it's a thing, is it, that people go travel together to do different races and stuff? It is, definitely, yeah. Um, there's loads of different triathlon clubs. Like, I was never actually part of a club because, um, like I said, this was kind of just more personal for me. I just wanted to achieve something, basically. So yeah. this was all personal for me. So I never joined a club or anything like that. But there's definitely loads of clubs out there. Um, and people make great friends just traveling around, going to different countries, doing these va- races and all that, like, so... It is is it is a good social event. 
And do the triathlon clubs give you training plans? Like, will they? Tra- tra- it's not just a group of people that are training together. Like, are there coaches there to tell you what to do? Yeah, there'd be coaches there, and they'd take you through a session. But like, it wouldn't be really personalized. You, you'd kind of, um, there might be choose a night. There might be an interval run, and everyone would kind of go out and do that run together. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so it just depends if that fits into your your training plan then or not. You can mm. kind of enter it, or you don't enter it in. So you you work with people on these events, do you? So if just say if if someone was interested in doing a triathlon, and um, do you work with people online and give them training programs and check ins and what way does it work? Yeah. So what I do is I work off a software called Training Peaks, and you download that on your app on on your phone. Sorry, it's an app on your phone. Um, and each week then I upload um everyone's or all my clients sessions onto that app um, and then i can kind of personalize it to each person so i might be telling you uh run the tempo session at this pace this pace this pace kind of thing and um, do your swim on this day um but it's all personalized so like if you're telling me i can't do my run on a saturday i can just move that to sunday or wednesday or whenever suits you um at the end of every week then i get them to fill out a little questionnaire for me just one one minute two minutes will take them and it'll let me know how the week was for them if the sessions were too easy too hard and um, what's their week looking like for next week and then i'll be able to upload their sessions for the following week um, and that's going to be how we work it then oh that's cool and so you basically adjust depending on how people are responding to it how their bodies are exactly how, yeah you're just going to yeah. safely build it up like basically for everyone and you personalize personalize it to someone's goal so just say they had a triathlon in mind next june or something that yeah. you could work towards that and then what if someone was working towards something and if you felt they weren't ready, would you kind of help them maybe readjust to a different goal? Or Exactly, yeah. So it's, it hasn't happened to me often, but there's once or twice now I can think back and it was down to the person not training really, to be honest with you. Um, it's obviously, things get in the way in life and like you might have to put training to the side. That happens to all of us. Um, yeah. So in those situations, you might have to just reevaluate the time frame. You might just have to push out think of doing, doing a different race basically maybe a few weeks later or a year later or whatever it is do you know so it's down to the down to the person really yeah and i'd say it's really useful to have a coach so that because when life does get in the way, you know like i say this to my clients all the time shit happens life gets in the way yeah. like health your health your fitness that kind of stuff is not always going to be your main priority like your health should always be up there but things happen where you know you do have to prioritize other things in life and by having a coach like yourself um, would help you not give up altogether. You know, it could be very easy. Like, oh, I, I haven't ran in four weeks now. And, you know, That's I'm back to square yeah. one. It has hit the fan. Oh, I give up. Yes. Whereas if it's, you know, Dara's in the background and he's saying, hello, are we, are we going to train again? <laughs> that it, it helps to kind of refocus, I suppose. Yeah. So, like, sometimes people panic as well. Um, like, say, you know, something happens, busy at work. I haven't trained in two weeks. There's no point in me carrying on. There's, I have lost everything, but that's not the case. Just ease your way back into it. Just get get that one run on the weekend done this week, weekend. You might not get it fully done, but you get out and get out, get out of the house. Right. <coughs> I'm choking. Take your time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, but like you still get out of the house, you get something done, you know, it might not be what was on the plan, but that's where the, the coaching comes into play. Then you'd be able to kind of readjust it. Same, same as yourself. 
Exactly. And kind of help your clients not feel lost, because if you have lost momentum, it is so easy to fall off because you're kind of like, oh, I don't know where I'm at. So, yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's deadly. Um, so if people wanted to connect with you and um, talk about coaching or anything like that, where can they find you and where? should they um, look Yeah, up? Instagram was probably the best place for me. Um, I'm also on Facebook, but I, I, I'll be, I've kind of neglected that, to be fair. Um, Dara underscore Kelly underscore NLA is my username. Um, so that would probably be the best place. Perfect. Yeah. So I, I will share that anyway in the show notes. Um, so anyone who wants to get in touch with you can just send your DM um, through mm-hmm. Instagram. Um, Dara, thank you so much for your time today. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. I've learned so much now and I might <laughs> end up actually changing my mind. And <laughs> next time I talk to you in a few months, you never know, I might have like ran a 5k race. Training for the Cork Marathon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, hold on. Maybe that might take a few years. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, Dara. No problem, Kate. Thanks, William. Really.